0: Hello, my name is David, and you've probably heard of me in Sunday school. Uh, By God's grace, I am remembered more for the highlights of my life than I am for the low points. But as you may have noticed uh, reading the Psalms that I have written, I'm an open book. I am transparent not just about my successes, but also about my failures, I want to tell you about a difficult time in my life when I was told to stay at home and how that through this, I realized that my family was in trouble and they needed me to help make things right. God turned this into a pivotal point in my life. But first, let me tell you how I got here. I was raised uh, in a good, God-fearing Jewish home, Uh, and I was taught from a young age to believe in God, to work hard, and to treat other people right. And I had a lot of dreams for my life early on, as most uh, of us do in our youth. I'd envisioned the path that I thought it would take But I have to tell you that my life has not turned out the way that I thought it would. I had a promising future when I was just a teenage boy. I was was, uh, anointed by the great prophet Samuel. We call him the kingmaker where I am from. And I didn't know exactly what that was all about, but I sensed, that God had some sort of special plan for my life. I mean, the only other person that Samuel had ever anointed up to this point was Saul, and he became the first king of Israel. And at that time of my life, I had no, uh, no dream that, that that might be my future, but I certainly had hope for a future, that God had a plan for my life and that he was already starting to put people into my life and things into my life that were directing me toward a promising future. I became the hometown hero. You've probably heard the story of uh, David and Goliath. And looking back, I, I don't know if it was faith beyond my years or if it was just youthful foolishness, but I volunteered to fight the giant Goliath when no one else would. Armed with just a sling and a stone, I made the shot of a lifetime, and I won the championship for Israel. As you can imagine, I was celebrated by everybody. I was uh, praised by folks. I was the talk of the town. I mean, everybody was proud of me, so much so that I went on to marry the homecoming queen. Well, not exactly I married the king's daughter, Mikhail. and I definitely married up. Uh, I could never have dreamed that I would marry into the royal family and to marry such a wonderful young woman. And for a while, I was living the dream. But then things began to unravel. I, I fell out of favor, if you will. All of a sudden, the high tide that I was riding came crashing down and for no real explanation it all began to start to come apart. My father-in-law who was also my boss all of a sudden seemed to have it in for me. I couldn't do anything to please him no matter how hard I tried, no matter how much I achieved. Uh, He was never happy. He, He even got violent just between you and me. I I believe that he struggled with bipolar and depression, which definitely added to the tension of the situation. Well, I had some setbacks because of that. And as I said, my father in law was my boss. And so I ended up losing my job. I'm sure that you understand the stress of unemployment and financial insecurity. But not only was I feeling the stress of that, I also went through somewhat of an identity crisis. You see, from my earliest years, I I had been enlisted in the Israeli army. I had been a soldier. It was like God had built me for that, and, and that's what I was doing, and I was good at it. And now, all of a sudden, I am no longer in Saul's army. And if I'm not a soldier in the Israeli army, then, then who am I? I, I just kind of began to wander without any clear direction. Perhaps you can relate to that at some early point in your life when you you all of a sudden your plans don't materialize and you're not sure what you're supposed to do. Perhaps you dropped out of college or uh, something happened in your life and, for a while you were just adrift, you were wandering, you were trying to figure it all out. And and then on top of all of that, Samuel died during that time in my life. Samuel had been like a father or a grandfather to me. He he was a, a mentor to me. He was a spiritual guide to me. He was an encourager to me. If I could describe him in this way, I would say that he was one of the anchors of my life. Maybe you had someone like that in your life when you were young, a father or a mother, a grandfather, an uncle, a pastor, someone who just seemed to be steady and constant and anchored you. And when they passed away, all of a sudden that anchor that was help holding you through the storms of life kind of set you adrift and And let you be carried out to sea. Well, it was during that time that my first marriage ended. As you can imagine, all of these things put a lot of stress on me and Mikael. And it took a toll on our marriage. Then we split up. We went our separate ways. She ended up remarrying someone else. and, And then so did I. And you know, something like that is just hard to recover from. It, it takes a while to come out of that. At this point in my life, my faith began to falter. I hate to admit it, but if I am being completely honest, I drifted from my roots of faith. Now, I I never stopped believing in God, and I I, I didn't turn my back on him so much. I mean, he was still my God, and I still prayed to him sometimes, but I, I found myself at home with ungodly people, with the people that that I used to try to uh, try to reach out to for God. Now, all of a sudden, I'm making my home with them. You see, after all that I had been through with the people of God, I decided to cross over to the Philistine side. Now, mind you, they they were near neighbors. While we had had our differences in the past, you have to understand, it wasn't like I went all the way down to Egypt or up into Assyria. I mean, Philistine was just close by. It was just across the line. I mean, it is within the borders of Israel today, in fact, and I never would have imagined that I would be united with the enemies of God's people, but somehow here I am in the hometown of Goliath nonetheless. Well, it's at this point that I get sent home for being non-essential. You see, I was serving in the army of King Achish, king of Gath, and he and the other Philistine kings were gathering together for a battle. I had been with him now for over a year and I had been a faithful soldier of his and had proven myself and uh, And he wanted me to and my men to go to battle with him. But when we got there and he met with the other Philistine governors, they said that I would add to the problem, not to the solution. You see, they were going to fight against the Hebrews and They were concerned that I might switch sides. So I got orders from the government that I'm being sent home. It appears that I am non-essential, if you can relate with that. When I got home, I realized that things were not right with my family. There was some real trouble at home. While I had been absent, they were carried away and taken captive by the enemies, the Amalekites. Let me tell you, these Amalekites have been troubling God's people from the very beginning. If you remember when Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt and he was taking them through to the Promised Land, it was the Amalekites that began to attack them from behind and to take out their weak ones. And so there had been skirmishes there. If you recall, my predecessor, Saul, had been tasked by God to go and wipe out this this blight on the people of Israel, but that was his great failure, and so here I am, still dealing with this same enemy, and while I was away, they snuck into my home, and they carried my family away captive. As you can imagine, that was extremely overwhelming and stressful for me. I was completely stressed out, distraught, really felt overwhelmed and wasn't sure what to do. I I felt like I I hadn't been protecting my family from evil forces. Sure, I, I was out doing what I was supposed to do, I thought, but in my absence my family had gotten taken captive by the enemy. Well, the very first thing that I did was to get alone with God and to get myself right. You see, upon coming back and finding that my family had been attacked by the enemy, I began to look at myself and realize my life had not been what it should be. And so I got alone with God. I removed all the distractions that had preoccupied my attention before and I spent some time alone with God. One of the things that being sent home did for me was it cleared a space in my life so that I could get alone with God. I knew that if I was going to help my family that I first had to fix what was wrong in my own life You know, that really is always the first burden of leadership, that if I'm going to help somebody else, I must first make sure that my life is in order and that my life is right. And so I confessed my sin. I cried out to God in repentance. And I've got to tell you, He did a deep spiritual work in my life. He brought revival to my soul. Then I went after my family. I didn't just sit back and wait for them to have a revival on their own. I didn't just sit back and wait for them to get free from their captivity. I decided I was going after them. I waged war on the enemy and I enlisted the help of my brothers in arms because I wasn't going to give my family up without a fight And let me tell you, if you have gotten home and you realize that there is some trouble there, let me tell you, of all the things in the world worth fighting for, your family is worth fighting for. It wasn't easy, but God helped me, and I recovered my family from the captivity that they were in. And you know what I learned that day is that God will help me. God will help you. That if you are going to wage war on the enemy of your family, that God will take care of you and then He will help you. This was a pivotal point in my life. From, from this point, God really started to turn things around. I mean, it was from this low spot, this time when I was sent home, this time when I was told that I was non essential that I got myself right with God, that I focused on my family and I recovered them. And then from here, it seems like God put me on this trajectory and my life turned around. My life after this was so much better than it was before. It was a pivotal point in my life and in my family. As it turns out, Being told to stay home was one of the best things that the Lord could have done for me and for my family. I'll admit, I did not realize it at the time. When I got those orders to go home, I was disappointed. And when I got there and saw the trouble that was going on at my home, I was overwhelmed and I didn't understand. But I have learned... That God is in control even when it doesn't seem like it. Perhaps you're going through something similar. Perhaps you are wondering why God has allowed this. Perhaps you're feeling stressed out and overwhelmed. Perhaps you feel like there are things going on in your family that you're not equipped to deal with, but you want God to do something. Well, May I apply this to your current situation? We're all spending more time at home because of the coronavirus. Whether you have been sent home as non essential or you are still working as an essential employee, the fact is we have a lot more time at home. All of the ball games have been canceled, all of the concerts have been canceled, all of the movies have been canceled. All of the events that have so filled our calendars over these last years are now, all of a sudden, all canceled. And we find ourselves spending more and more time at home with our family. What seems like a setback may actually be a pivotal point in your life We're early on in this, we're into the third week and maybe you have just been mourning the routine of life that you've lost. Maybe you're mourning the fact that you can't go and do all those activities. Maybe you've been so preoccupied with that that you haven't stopped to consider that this might be a pivotal point in your life. Oftentimes, In the lives of God's people, they are taken through a crisis moment. And while they are going down and they are in that crisis, they oftentimes don't fully understand. They begin by questioning and asking God why there is some sorrow and remorse about what they have lost. But without fail, those who seek God see that God uses that as a launching point to send them into the path that he wants them to go down. Let me ask you some hard questions. It's just me and you. You're sitting in the privacy of your own home. Can you be completely honest with God when I ask you, have you gotten too friendly with the ways of the world? It's easy to do. It happened to me when I went down to Ziklag and became awfully friendly with the Philistines. Has it happened to you? Have you found yourself feeling more and more at home with ungodly people, people who do not seek to put God first? Perhaps God wants to use this downtime in your life to bring you closer to Him. Is that a possibility? Is that a possibility that God has allowed this coronavirus to spread like nothing we've ever seen before worldwide to put us all into a moment, a pause, a slowdown, a shutdown? Could it be that God is allowing this to happen Allowing our economy to take the hits that it is hitting because he cares more for your soul than he does for America's GDP. Is it possible that God wants you and I to take this downtime at home to get closer to him? I want to ask you will you commit to spending more time with God in his word and in prayer? I am most certain that if we checked our iPads and iPhones and TVs that we spent a lot more time watching shows and movies and playing games, but have we spent more time with God Oh, sure, when we're working full speed, running the kids to everything that they've got to go to, and we have every demand running on high speed, it's easy for us to excuse ourselves and say, I just, I don't have time, I'm too tired when I get up, I'm too tired when I come home. I mean, it's hard to work in a quality private time in prayer and in the Word, but what excuse do we have now? When God has ordained that we spend so much time at home, what possible excuse do we have for not spending more time with him? For David, it was the only thing that soothed his soul in this overwhelming time. And maybe it's exactly what you've been longing for. Maybe you're concerned about your family's spiritual health, Maybe you're concerned that it's not what it should be. Have you gotten home and found that there's trouble there? That your relationship with your spouse isn't exactly what it should be? That your kids perhaps have drifted from the Lord and they know more about TikTok than they do about the Bible? You see, God wants us to invest in our families and he wants us to be the champions. Have they been taken captive by the enemy? What are we going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Are you going to sit back and remain idle and say, it's beyond my power, I can do nothing? Or are you going to take this opportunity to go after them, to love them like never before, to spend time with them, To let your overflow spill out onto their lives. Oh, I know what you might be thinking. You might be thinking, well, Justin, I'm not a preacher like you. I can't just sit down and have a Bible study with my family. I don't know what to teach. them." Let me tell you, you don't have to do that. But if you will get your life right with God and you begin spending more time with God and then spending more time with your family, let me tell you, God will fill your life and allow it to overflow onto them and that God can use that to ignite in them a revival in their souls like he has ignited in yours. You may have to enlist your brothers and sisters in Christ as spiritual prayer warriors. You you may need to reach out to your small group, to your Sunday school, to other believers and say, pray for me and pray with me about these things in my life and in my family. Just because we can't gather together in this building does not mean that we cannot unite together in prayer for one another. I think one of the misnomers of the late 20th century was that revival came with the evangelist and that if we could gather a big enough group together in a church building, in a tent, or in a tabernacle that we could see real revival. But I am telling you, we don't have to be gathered together to see real revival. We need to be on our knees in prayer, communing with God, And we can see the greatest revival that has ever swept across the United States and across the globe. Because I know this, that God is in it and he will help you. You say, I don't even know where to begin. Begin where David began. Begin by encouraging yourself in the Lord. Turn to that favorite passage or book of Scripture and begin reading it. Spend some time praying to Him. Get out and take a walk in creation and allow creation to direct your attention to the Creator. And talk to your God from there and allow God to bring revival to your soul that He might use you. To bring the same to your family. Who knows. This might be your turning point. This might be a pivotal point. In your life. And in your family. Do you realize that in the story of David. From this point forward. God takes him back to his people Israel. They crown him as king. And then for the next 40 years, he gets to live and rule as the most famous king in all of Israel. So I'm telling you, this might be your Ziklag. This might be a time when you've been sent home as non-essential. But it also might be the pivotal point in your life where God wants to launch you into what's next for you spiritually and the next level for your family. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do thank you so much for your word. What a